Welcome to Good Things Happen, the podcast series that celebrates the human side of banking and finance, and today, technology. When searching artificial intelligence online, there are more than one and a half billion results currently, and over a hundred podcasts. Clearly, AI is currently the hottest of topics. So today, rather than talking about the extraordinary potential of AI, we're going to get practical. Today's guests have significant experience with this transformative technology and will reflect on how AI is being adopted across the world. Our guests come from very different parts of the artificial intelligence ecosystem. Alexandra Musavizeda, founder and CEO of Evident, a research specialist in AI usage that spent the last five years measuring the adoption of artificial intelligence technology on a country by country basis. Joining Alexandra is Nimrod Barak, Global Head of Cities Innovation Labs and Emerging Technologies, who's been enabling City to understand, adopt and apply these technologies to serve its global banking network for more than a decade. Welcome Alexandra and Nimrod, thank you so much for joining us today. As ever, I'd like to hear your stories first. How does one become an expert in measuring the adoption of AI, Alexandra? Well, thank you so much for having having us both. Um, we're going to tackle it from from different angles. I mean, Nimrod is the one who's actually implementing AI, and I'm just I'm just the voyeur. But it is uh, <laughs> it is a great pleasure to be here today. So thank you so much. Um, as as you mentioned in your intro, we started by uh, back in 2018 measuring the strength of national AI ecosystems, and we were the first index to take a crack at what, how you would do that and uh, what components go into it. What is an AI ecosystem? What does it mean to develop AI and deploy it? What are the supporting policies around that? And um, as that was important for, for, for governments then and still is very much uh, you know, topic of um, top of mind, especially given the White House announcement and the UK AI summit, it is ever more pressing uh, to really understand the ecosystems and 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 how they develop and what kind of guardrails to to put in place to develop and deploy AI safely, but with that um, concept of of how to track and measure AI development deployment, we released in January this year the first index to benchmark actually how banks are doing it and publicly rank banks on the. Um, the AI maturity, if you like, and that had actually never been uh, been measured before. So it was a bit of a white space. There was a lot of investment that gone into that has gone into AI at uh, in the banking sector and also many other sectors like pharma and manuf manufacturing and retail. But banks uh, were really interesting to to take a closer look at because of the five, six, seven years of AI investment that came off the back of investment into digital transformation and uh, moving from a phase of exploratory and more sort of experimental take on AI and sort of where it would fit into the bank and, and how to use it and, and where it would give the most, most return on investment to really now banks are, are really focusing on you know what is that return on investment? So we we hit a time when we released in January to where we sort of felt we went from one phase to the of explore exploratory phase to sort of a more focus on on what's the efficacy of this AI investment. So that's really why we we set it up. Um, we had the experience of measuring the, the the ecosystems and and starting with the banks felt like a really good place to start. 
Nimrod, tell us, tell us a little bit about the Innovation Lab. It sounds really funky and exciting. Why do banks have Innovation Labs? And tell, and then maybe tell us what you've been doing within AI broadly. Sure, absolutely. And again, thanks, thanks, Joran, for inviting us. It's uh, it's really a pleasure. And um, we are, I think, both myself and Alexandra are kind of very happy to kind of discuss about those topics and share a little bit of our experience. So in general, just a little bit about myself before I kind of talk about uh, more broadly the, the Innovation Lab. So uh, my background is mostly technology. I worked in the technology space for, the more, for more than 20 years. I've been at City for the last six years. And before that, I worked only in tech companies. My background is mostly uh, tech. I worked at small and large companies companies in the, the tech space, mostly around enterprise software. So my, I think uh, great passion is how do we use emerging technologies to really transform how do we work as an enterprise. I think that's one of my great passions. And what led me to kind of joining City, uh, I've been working on AI for the lab more than 10 years, mostly on natural language processing topics, which is at the heart of what is going on at the moment with generative AI. Uh, the reason I joined City was, um, there was a few reasons. One is, is people, but the second one was, um, really the, the huge amounts of data that uh, an organization such as City, being a global bank that is present in more than 100 countries, is absolutely phenomenal. And I think when we talk about AI, we need to, to understand that data is the foundation for all of it. Without data, there could be any kind of artificial intelligence. The whole value of generative AI, for example, is really with the, the data that was available for all the companies that were training, for example, ChatGPT, if it's OpenAI, they train it on the big parts of the, the internet. So without data, and when we talk about data, and we can talk about that later, uh, high quality data, we can actually do fantastic things with AI. And that was kind of the most exciting thing for me when joining City is really being at the kind of the right you know time, which was six years ago. I think AI has been uh, with us since the, the 50s maybe, but still I think it was a good time in terms of uh, uh, development that we saw back at the time with some, some recent technologies in especially natural language processing uh, was uh, a fantastic opportunity to, to jump on this kind of revolution and really kind of see how we kind of take it forward with uh, such an important uh, institute like City. Um, so uh, for me joining as um, to the innovation labs and then later on kind of leading City's innovation labs was a very exciting kind of thing because we are at the forefront of everything the company is doing when it comes to emerging technologies, not just AI, but also uh, blockchain, digital assets, and you know quantum computing and many other things. But really being there uh, in this kind of ability to both engage with the external world, meaning the ecosystem in the sense of universities, you know, uh, academic institutions, um, startup companies, we we work closely with uh, many, many, many kind of startups in the AI space. It's exciting to be in that position. So it's a mix of those things, plus the ability to explore new technologies and, you know, just play with cool stuff like AI and Gen AI. And we've been doing it, by the way, way before ChatGPT was uh, announced back in November last year. We've been working on large language model, which is the, the foundation for some of those technologies a long, long, long time ago when it was just in kind of research mode because we anticipated this is going to be quite big. So the ability to combine uh, research and being at the front of things, working with companies from the outside in the ecosystem, combined it with the ability to experiment inside 
and really look at the more applicative aspects of it. So how can we actually use it to solve problems? Because at the end of the day, we're not a, um, a research company, right? City is a commercial company, a commercial bank that is uh, purpose to kind of bring value to its clients. So our mission is to see how do we um, take those advanced technologies, those emerging technologies, and really apply them to the most complex problems of the bank, not to esoteric kind of situations where we can use AI, but really on how can we progress it and bring much greater value to clients, whether it's in the client experience on how do we kind of serve clients, whether it's in how do we run our operations and become more efficient with what we're doing and increase our productivity of, of operations? How do we improve our risk and controls and prevent things like fraud and and you know and money laundering and you know and any other kind of financial crime? Um, so it's really across the bank, across functions, and across the use cases that we're trying to bring those emerging technologies into the real world, really using them in a safe way, of course, by while partnering with our regulators um, to ensure that we can actually do it in a safe way and scale those technologies. So it's a really exciting, I would say, position um, to be in such a large kind of institution, uh, but also exciting time. So the timing is also you know, brilliant at the moment with AI, of course, is uh, uh, really becoming you know, uh, mainstream, not that it wasn't, but now I think the, the main difference between where AI today is, and if you compare it to a year ago, is that each one of us, including my parents even, including you know kids, understand where AI can help them. Where I think a year ago it wasn't the case. So I think that's the the main kind of difference from my perspective. Totally, everybody knows it's coming, and everybody kind of has has an idea that it's going to be, you know, even more transformative than the internet. And um, I'd like to go back five years with you, Alexandra. Uh, how do you measure something that hasn't even come to people's attention? That's got so many dimensions, so many unknowns. Uh, you know, what, what are the key metrics? Yeah, I mean, going back, um, it, well, it, it's a good question because it was what are all of the proxies for AI? AI development and, and AI application. And as, as Nimrod said, you Nimrod, you, you've been in this uh, area for what, six, seven years at City and, and you were starting to experiment. But those are with the, the AI capabilities at, at, at the time. And as you say, it's been around since the 50s. So when we took a close look at this back in 2017, we we're looking at the research papers that were being written on AI and AI related topics. And we were looking at the patents that were being filed, but we were also taking a very close look from a national level. What was the commitment by the governments in terms of the R&D spend into areas that are, you know, straight into the sort of heart of AI, but also tangential areas. Um, so we collected that. We looked at infrastructure and supercompute. We looked at the actual sort of level of talent in, in, in the countries as in what level, you know, are the universities focusing on on um, AI and where do we how many PhDs are there coming out of these universities with that kind of focus so we we took a close look at the talent and and the sort of the R&D side and the infrastructure side and also the strategies because a lot uh, is led by the strength of your strategy and we see that in the banking world as well and that was one of the things that we could take over is if you have a if you have an organization that decides that AI is core, right, and that you want to be an AI-led business, that then 
Uh, and that is made clear and the resources are set aside, for example, like in City, that gets executed throughout the bank. Decisions get made that hiring the AI talent is a priority, that having an innovation um, and an AI lab that Nimrod runs is a priority. And, and that that trickles down and, and strengthens the whole ecosystem of the bank. So a lot of parallels between what we did back in 2017 and 18 when we released the first index on, on the national level to what we're seeing and how we're measuring and how we're going about measuring um, AI at, at a at a corporate level, but a lot of proxies that you've you've got to you've got to look at some um, areas that are related to AI that are not necessarily um, directly on AI that but are supporting. Nimrod mentioned the data quality is one of the things that obviously have to, has to be in place. You've got to have the rails in uh, you know laid down so you can run your AI on it, and if the data is 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 very fragmented, um, it it just makes it a lot harder. So. So that, those were the observations that we made, and so that was a way that we built that um, the sort of the concept of how you measure that ecosystem, and we brought it over to the corporate side. Nimrod, you mentioned generative AI. Maybe you could enable us to kind of understand a broader spectrum of AI beyond Gen AI. Is what everybody's talking about now? Is that the equivalent of I don't know social media within the internet? Is the is it going to be the driving force, or is there so much more to come? I think it's a great question. And generative AI is not everything AI, right? So AI definitely kind of includes many other kind of types of techniques and fields and uh, and technologies. I think generative AI is what currently is definitely the trend. And uh, the hype around AI is definitely associated with generative AI. Generative AI is instead of technologies that basically uh, are capable of generating any kind of content from large amounts of uh, data. And usually associated with any with a natural language kind of interface to them, which means that you can ask um, a machine to generate things in natural language. And I think that's the whole point of why it was so why it became so popular because everybody could say something to it, and it would actually generate quite an amazing results on such a broad range of topics, which is also very phenomenal because what we've known before generative AI. All the types of AI were mostly kind of very narrow, what we call narrow AI, which were very focused around a specific kind of task or use case. So you could train it, for example, to recommend movies in Netflix, right? So you want to watch something that is similar to uh, things you watched in the past. Uh, Netflix has a great kind of recommendation system based on AI that would allow you to kind of see things that are more kind of, you know, fitting to your taste. Um, but this is a very narrow use case. And what I think we found in the, uh, as the first thing with uh, generative AI is that we could ask everything, basically. Because it was trained on huge amounts of data from the internet, you could ask it for recipes for a cake, and you could ask it for recommendations for a trip you're doing to, you know, to Italy. You could ask it for to write a code for you. You can definitely run so many uh, different types of tasks in so many kind of different fields. And that is, I think, the most uh, one of the fundamental kind of benefits of uh, the generative AI kind of hype, I would say. Uh, but as mentioned, it's a, it's a type of AI. There are other things, for example, autonomous cars that are not related to generative AI. This is a big trend. Uh, things that we relate, you know, that relate to uh, healthcare, for example, of finding a cure to certain diseases or 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 you know, mapping the DNA. Uh, those some of those researchers obviously use AI. And there are many, many other fields uh, where we use AI, but not generative AI, because it doesn't generate content um, and for the benefit of, of, of everybody, of society. 
One additional thing on generative AI that is very important, um, it's not just text, right? So we, we I think we tend to consider generative AI as something that generates text back and it's like a chatbot. But generative AI has many, many kind of forms of, of media that it can generate from, from videos to, if you think about the, 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 you know, the film industry, that will be completely kind of potentially transformed because you could generate, you know, scenes completely from scratch just by typing what you want to see, or even talking to a machine that knows how to generate those things. If you think about the art industry, um, already Gen AI can create phenomenal kind of pictures. Uh, technologies like DALI and and others are doing amazing work at you know at uh, understanding what we are what we want to create using prompts. Uh, prompts are the actual text that we're providing to those um, interfaces and generating phenomenal results. And it can go on and on with other kind of industries like the music industry and others, um, 3D kind of you know creation. So it, it's so diverse in terms of what it can create that we have to also consider it as way broader than just text, I would say. Alexandra, you started measuring countries, and then you measured. You, you've been measuring banks. Um, why banks? Why why were they such an interesting topic to focus on? And maybe uh, tell us. We're going to have a lot of city listeners here. Uh, how's city doing on your uh, index? <laughs> the the banks was um, a natural place to start. Um, banks have been investing in AI, the, the big banks in, in the US and Europe and Asia for a long time and have gone through this um, experimental phase and 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 put more and more resources against it. So, so there is a, a point in t- time now where it is, most banks are looking up and to see sort of how are we doing on this, uh, on our capabilities and our outcomes today after this period of, of investment and the experimentation and implementation to to a lot of lot of success in in many areas of the banks um, that have been using this for a while, but there are also lots of um, use cases. Um, there's vast data sets. There are many reasons also that AI talent wants to go to a bank because it's an interesting place to be, and therefore there is also that attraction from the talent side. There is um, so so the banks was a natural natural place to start. Um, also societally are very important for for everyone um, that banks function and are adopting new technology and doing it um, safely, as Nimrod said, uh, but that they are doing it and it's important that um, innovation is is implemented in 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 the banks. I think um, stepping sort of back a bit, I think what we see from the index perspective is there's there's a big gap between there's a sort of an emerging gap between the banks that are sort of really doubling down on on AI and and sort of really trying to become a sort of an AI first organization and those that have been a bit more hesitant and taken a bit more of a wait and see approach but now with the implement the sort of developments on the sort of front end on AI is happening at such a pace that as an organization if you don't you know if you don't you know pick that up and 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 try and implement that um but and if you can and do it successfully you're constantly going to be the bank that that grows your market share and that just leaves the ones that are hesitating more and more in the dust so what i think that we're seeing is that we're going to see this emerging gap and potentially the ones that haven't embarked on an ai strategy yet might see you know go out of business so we probably you know we'll see in the next 5 to 6 years a consolidation sort of at the tail end of the um, the low end of the, the 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 index, so that's that's what we're predicting. And City does incredibly well. City is um, 
is in the top 10, is very strong in innovation and talent, um, has done a lot of work, especially this year, on, on doubling down on hiring for AI uh, and for Gen AI, um, which is a big marker of, of, of high levels of AI maturity. There's an organization that really um, is, is set up from an operating model, but also identifying use cases and can onboard that, um, that, that talent that is needed to to capture and grasp and implement the, the sort of generative AI, but also sort of more traditional AI. So the city is doing very well. Um, it's great to see that um, focus the last uh, decade and now with the doubling down this year that it's really it's really coming through. Phew, I, I suddenly thought that could have got a bit awkward when I asked that question. That's really, um, Nimrod, you, you said that you gave us some reasons why you were attracted to the city in the first place. Um, how does it feel inside the bank in terms of uh, people's attention to AI, their excitement uh, about AI? Obviously, there's a lot of publicity about the, the worries of AI, but within the organization, do you feel that your team is supported? Are people opening doors for you to find out more? Um, absolutely. Um, just to kind of, you know, add to the, the previous point, uh, I think, you know, the reason, as mentioned, that uh, I thought you know, joining a bank and doing AI is so interesting, I think, because uh, if you think about why banks, you know, are so special in that that field is, is two reasons. I think one is the huge amounts of data, as mentioned, especially with the global banks. Uh, and um, the second is that um, the focus on transformation, which goes across kind of, you know, the industry. I think those two elements really kind of makes it very, very important, as Alexandra mentioned, to, to double down on it and really focus on kind of, you know, the use cases. Um, and regarding our internal adoption, um, as Alexander mentioned, I think it only grows. And in the last year, we've done a lot of work uh, around, uh, again, investing in, in kind of adoption, investing in getting new talent, really hiring, uh, you know, best talent from the market to kind of to continue and innovate in that space. I think there's um, a great kind of understanding across the board if we talk about Kind of the the sponsorship or the as you mentioned like do people understand the need and so on and so forth i think it's uh in the last year especially again with the introduction of generative ai it's where all senior leaders across the bank i would say from all functions really understand how important is this right whereas before i would say it's not that we didn't have sponsorship and we didn't have the right kind of uh, support for this but um i think these days everybody across the board really understands this is critical, this is strategic, this is important for their business, this is important for us to kind of innovate for our clients. This is truly kind of uh, one of those moments where everybody um, understands the importance, even if not all the use cases are clear and the technology is not fully mature from an enterprise kind of perspective, which is where we are at the moment. So if you want to use, you know, generative AI for, you know, in, in, in a bank, it's not that straightforward as one may think. Uh, because of the you know the risks associated with it, which I'm happy to kind of elaborate on. But um, the the most important point is that everybody understands that it's just a matter of time till some of those you know challenges will be resolved. And even if the hype will go down a little bit, still there are some concrete use cases where this could be truly, truly, truly valuable in the banking space. And it really goes across everything I mentioned from fraud and financial risks, uh, financial crime to uh, risk and controls, to operational kind of efficiency and all the way to how do we serve clients and client experience. Everybody understands that um, there's great value behind it. We're recording this uh, 
a week after the AI, the first AI International Summit, uh, also a week after the Beatles released a single, 60 years on from being formed. So last week felt like a really big week for AI, particularly in the UK. Alexandra, you mentioned the AI Summit. Um, what, what, what were your reflections on that? Was that something that you welcomed? Was it just step one? Was anything achieved? I was uh, fortunate to be out on uh, at Bletchley Park for the for a kickoff panel um, with some of the godfathers of AI, Max Tegmark, Stuart Russell, and so on, um, to discuss the day before before it kicked off officially, and um, and that was very interesting to sort of hear their perspective. The focus of the um, of the summit was to look at frontier AI, i.e., sort of what are we looking at um, when it comes to putting guardrails around existential risk um, that could be out in the, in the, in the future. Some would say near future, some would say, it, you know, far, you know, 10, 20, even 30 years. Um, but the purpose of the summit was to try and come up with a framework through which we would create safe AI going forward, i.e. create some, some guardrails around the foundational models um, that they're either, you know, developed safely or at least that they can get monitored. And so uh, what came out of that was um, a set of principles that essentially is asking for voluntary submissions of, of, um, of the foundation of those who develop foundational models. And that and it, it's, a, it's a good first step, but it's not a regulation. Uh, it's not um, it's not a counter to the AI Act, which is actual regulation put on the table. But um, given what the White House came out with on Monday, which was which was a similar initiative with a with an institute to um, put you know, signatories under some pressure to open up for the large foundational models. So there is some kind of an oversight of what's going on. Also, so these two initiatives are very similar and they're happening in parallel from the US and the UK. And they're definitely um, not, it's nothing concrete, but it's a step in the right direction, I would say. And it's kicking off a process, if nothing else. It's kicking off a process of discussing how to manage this. And the next summit will be in South Korea and the following one will be in France. And eventually, probably a, a global body will emerge that will have some kind of accountability and some kind of um, teeth to which um, to, to monitor this. But it's difficult because they're more than just a handful of companies that are developing foundational models. It's probably going to be in the hands of open source platforms more and more in the future. So, so it is an evolving uh, technology that is going to be hard to put regulation around. But, but I think the conversation was good and it was important to have. Nimrod, um, as, as someone who's been working in this field for 10 years, uh, what was your what's your reaction to the suddenly explosion of interest? Are you delighted by that or are you scratching your head saying, you know, where have you been? You're late to the party. Uh, a bit of both, I guess. Right. So from our perspective, when uh, when this this hype kind of started, we were definitely kind of saying, where were you? We were definitely kind of saying this is revolutionary. But at the same time, I think um, it's super exciting, right? Because, um, you know, being in this space for such a long time and talking about the potential, it's so great to finally see kind of some of the things happening. And by the way, we haven't scratched the surface from, uh, you know, with its potential. So I'm not trying to suggest that uh, all of a sudden we have ChatGPT and generative AI and everything kind of is, uh, you know, and, and we got it, right? So we're just, uh, it's just a taste of what, you know, such technologies can help us with. And it's fantastic to see it. So I'm just, uh, I feel, you know, I feel lucky to be part of this um, era, right? And being at the front of at least, you know, a, a large institution while it, this is happening. So it's super exciting. 
and really seeing the pace of evolution and revolution of uh, you know some of those technologies is phenomenal. So every other week we basically get a new thing um, with regards to kind of a, a, you know a new larger you know large language model kind of uh, that is being released or a new startup company that is disrupting some some um, you know specific kind of uh, area or domain in this. It's super exciting. And even if you think about the regulation. Just seeing how does it evolve is super exciting, right? I mean, we're all seeing kind of how um, all the kind of big countries are starting to kind of pay attention to it and really take it very seriously. So it's great to see how quickly it will become. And I, I'm not afraid of it. And I don't think it's um, would, um, you know, endanger kind of innovation. I see, it, uh, you know, on the the, flip, the opposite, right? It will help us to innovate faster because we will have the guardrails. We will have the the right set of you know controls to kind of do it in a safe way and i think um i i am definitely kind of welcoming any country that uh you know is uh innovating in terms of their regulation and kind of putting it at the front i think it's fantastic and also because um it's the risks are here today it's not something you know everybody's talking about an existential risk whether there is or there isn't without getting into the whole kind of philosophical debate around that the risks are already here so if uh certain kind of you know parties are getting access to some of those technologies they can definitely do um you know bad things even today maybe not existential but you know just influencing um country elections or uh doing you know massive cyber attacks all those things are potentially you know gen ai could be used to some of them it won't completely kind of um you know uh, transform them completely but it would just make them maybe faster, maybe better, maybe a little bit more kind of easier for some uh, parties to uh, to use them. So I think that's why regulation needs to be there regardless of where we think it will be in 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, so we're definitely kind of welcoming it. So from, from my personal experience, it's, you know, amazing times. It's, um, I think we're all kind of lucky for me, Alexandra, to kind of work in this, you know, space uh, at this time, because it's uh, definitely we're seeing how those historical moments are being kind of, you know, uh, happening and it's it's just fantastic to be there and uh, being a technologist it's it's remarkable it's a great piece of technology it's uh, definitely changing how we we've done things you can apply it to so many kind of different things and it's just it's a, it's a great for any kind of uh, technologist to be part of this Alexandra and um, I, I I often say I hope that there might be some young people listening to this who are excited by getting into these areas. Uh, um, tell, tell us your story. How did you? How, how does one get to a point where you you set up a company where you're measuring AI? Uh, was this something you wanted to do when you were a little girl at school? I doubt it. <laughs> That's a great question. Actually, I'm a failed um, physicist. I'm not failed because all my brothers were studying physics and uh, one actually went on to work at CERN and they were all technologists. And I was the black sheep in the family because I did economics and mathematics and specialized in game theory, which they thought was really sloppy. <laughs> and <laughs> so I, um, I I worked my whole career as, a, as an economist and uh, have built indices. I was at Morgan Stanley. I've been at Moody's. I run a, um, a rating agency, but the, the common denominator is organizing, organizing, um, structuring your analysis that is absolutely 100% data driven to to work out um, the strengths and weaknesses um, on on the thing that you're focusing on. Now, AI is extremely exciting to me because having spent 20, 30 years looking at what the 
what the potential and capacity for growth at a national level and at a company level is, has been what we have all been searching for. What is that that is going to unlock the growth and productivity and so on? And, and AI is certainly, you know, part of that um, future and part of that story. The, the nations that get this right, the organizations that really understand how to harness it are going to see so many benefits, right? To Nimrod's point, this is really exciting times. We can we can become more efficient, we can do more things, we can transform the way we bank, the way we live, the way we organize ourselves from, from finance to health to art. And, and AI is gonna be at the core of that. And so as actually as an economist, this is where I should land. This is what I should be measuring and this is what I should be doing. So I think everything that I've done up until now points to this, to this company that I set up last year. I love that. Um, Nimrod, a final word from you. You, you talked about historical moments. Are we going to be getting many, many more historical moments? Is this going to accelerate exponentially in terms of the applications that we hear about and read about? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we're going to see much more kind of um, transformation and revolution, revolutionary kind of moments happening in the next few years with um, such technologies, not just, just generative AI, but AI in general. I think we're going to see much more kind of developments. And there's a few kind of uh, things that um, lead to that. First of all, the attention of way more kind of institutions and companies. If it was uh, the amount of companies that could work on such things were was very limited. There were, you, you only had a handful of companies that could really drive the revolutions we're seeing today. I think we will see more of that. And the accessibility of some of these technologies is becoming much higher meaning startup companies can take open source software and really, you know, build new stuff using generative AI and using AI in general, I think is becoming uh, much more uh, influential. So if you think about it, yes, we will see some exponential kind of growth in that sense, because the ability, the access to some of those technologies is becoming much, much, much easier. Also in terms of, you know, the infrastructure that is required, there's a lot of kind of hardware requirements. This is you know, becoming a little bit more available uh, and um, more efficient. So I think we're going to see a much more innovation in that space in the next few years with more and more players coming into the ecosystem and really kind of uh, driving the innovation forward. I'm going to conclude by thanking you both, thanking you not only for making this super clear and accessible for me, but also I love both of your optimism and your enthusiasm. So uh, yeah, you've inspired me and I hope you've inspired our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. Citigroup and Evident are not affiliated and are independent organizations. The speakers' views of their own may not necessarily reflect the views of City or any of its affiliates. All opinions are subject to change without notice. Neither the information provided nor any opinion expressed constitutes a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. The expressions of opinion are not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results.